as filmmakers, we're tasked with serving the story. We're often tasked with developing new worlds and creating new crazy imaginative sequences that will thrill and excite the audience that goes to cinema. And one of the most difficult aspects of filmmaking, in my opinion, is keeping the details in check, making sure that the continuity is correct, making sure that that glass is in the right place on the table. What hand did he pick it up with? Uh, which direction did he turn in when we shot the reversal of this three weeks ago? Did we actually say this line and did we do this line correctly? And did we get a good audio take of this line on the last, last bit? I can't remember. I've had 100,000 questions coming at me. Which way was the flop of his hairline? I can't remember. Can you remember? Who remembers which way? Oh, you think you remember how you picked it up? Who do you turn to, right? You would think that there should be somebody on set that's keeping track of all these details and talk about a crazy gig. Talk about a crazy job and attention to detail that's needed for something like that. Like, how are you keeping track of all this stuff? I've seen these people do it in the past on other shoots. I've seen it sort of change over time. There was a period of time where you would have somebody that would have multiple pens sticking out of their hair and a, and a giant binder book and a uh, Polaroid camera around their neck and just a stack, a stack of Polaroids that they'd be flipping through, constantly checking in the background and then running up and whispering in the director's ear or running over and showing something to the cinematographer. Who is this person? Who is this unsung hero of sets? Somebody who I would argue saves films, saves films. And let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. I just fucked up, right? I'm shooting a movie, I'm shooting a short film, and I'm in the, in the edit right now, and I thought I did a really good job because I'm always scared to death of continuity. I'm always scared to death of it. And I thought I did it right, Right. And so then you get in the edit room and there's this bit, there's this sequence where I have an actor who's wearing glasses and he takes those glasses off for an emotional bit and he needs to put them back on and he does it here. And so now I'm screwed because I've only shot this shot twice. I've only done two shots of this because of, you know, it being an independent. And one would argue that my biggest mistake was that I didn't have a continuity person on set right? Someone there to watch my ass. Someone there to be the eyes of the audience. Someone there to be the lighthouse in the storm that is making a movie. So I messed up. So now that decision, that choice that I <laughs> didn't know I made is now going to change the way I cut the sequence. May even change the way I stylistically cut the entire piece because it is big enough of an error. It's not like you can get away with a glass being on the wrong side, right? You can get away with a plate of food being half eaten and not eaten in another shot because the audience should be hyper-focused on the actor. But when it's got something to do with the actor's eyes and face in a place that you're supposed to connect with a person, that's a big one. Many people may sit there and go, was this intentional? And it'll throw them. Ugh, just saying it out loud depresses me. So I am obsessed with a job that many of you don't know 
the truth behind. Don't know what is actually involved with being a script supervisor. You're listening to the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. I'm your host, Mike Petchy. Come on in, grab a seat, grab a drink. I made sandwiches, have one. I uh, hope you guys like tuna. I'm doing tuna today. I got shit for that yesterday. I was telling my buddy Ian about tuna that I like, and he's like, you eat a lot of tuna. It's because it's fucking good. <laughs> grab a sandwich, have a seat. And uh, I, I, I love episodes like this because I get to really sort of tackle the list, these people on this ginormous credit list that you have to sit through while feverishly waiting to find out if Iron Man is returning in the next Marvel movie. <laughs> and you ever sit there, you know, holding in your urine as you twist your legs because you've been seated for two and a half hours and you're like, I can't go to the bathroom yet because maybe they'll bring back Captain America. I need to see the cutscenes. And so you just stare you know, in sort of a miserable state at all these names that scroll up on that screen. And you and most people probably only know what about 90% of those, now nah, I'm sorry, 5% of those people do, right? 5% out of 100, Michael, do your math. You know, do you guys know what a best boy does, right? There's all sorts of positions and one of them is continuity. Now, many of you may think you know what a continuity person does because of a lot of the memes and jokes that come with continuity. There are people who celebrate that will do drinking games based around the bad continuity in films. I don't want that to be my movie. <laughs> Let me tell you that right now. And what folks don't realize is that so many directors rely, lean on a continuity person for multiple things. So I'm excited to have one on today's show. And I'm honestly, I'm excited to have one of the top continuity people in the industry. She's worked on some of the best movies that have ever come out in cinema. And you can see her coming back over and over again with some of the biggest directors. That means she's really good at what she does really good at what she does. All right, so let's talk about some of the movies, huh? Let's go to IMDb. We'll type it in right now. Uh, oh, she was script supervisor on the recent Mulan movie. I know for a fact that she's a script supervisor on the new Zack Snyder piece because my buddy, Stu Valberg, who's been on the show, has hooked this, this interview up and Stu also worked on that piece. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about what the name of it is or any of the details. I know more than you do, but I don't want to get anybody into trouble. She was just working with Zach uh, for oh, probably about a year, right? Over a year. Um, she was on Ant-Man and the Wasp. Let's see. Let's continue on. Oh, Adventures of Tintin. Oh, that's part of her long career with Spielberg, War of the Worlds, Catch Me If You Can, Minority Report. Also, she's done a lot with... Um, uh, who's the director of Vanilla Sky? My brain just shut down. That is Cameron Crowe. Looks like she's done most of Cameron Crowe's movies. Wow. Some amazing ones there. American Beauty, Lost World, Waterworld. I got to ask her about Waterworld. I want to know what that fucking crazy movie is like. Dick Tracy. And hold on. Hold on. Hold your breath. Blade Runner. Today, I am joined by script supervisor... Anna Maria Quintana. 
and I'm excited to have her on the show. I'm excited to go to the top to help you guys understand what it is that a continuity person is, to help drill into my own brain that I need to find one of my own. I would love to find an Anna Maria of my own to to be on all of my movies. I need it so bad. <laughs> so before we get into today's interview, I want to thank everybody for following me on Instagram at Mike Petchy and following the podcast at Instagram. That is in love with the process pod and love with the process P-O-D on Instagram. Uh, we have a lot of contests coming up this year. I just had a lot of the boys sign back up. So here's the good news for our sponsors. Puget System is back. They're back for a year. Fujifilm is back for a year. That may mean more contests with Fujifilm. And right now, Boca Rentals is on board for this year. So, so far, three returners. We've got a bunch more, a bunch more emails going out. January is the worst. Do you guys feel the same way, right? Everybody's sort of like crawling back into the old work seat after the holiday season. They get so many fucking emails to go through. And then there's this sense of stress and anxiety, especially when you're dealing with companies where it's like, okay, we're putting together our new budget. What was successful and what's not? It's so fucking hard to get answers. And it just says a lot that these three companies came back quickly and instantly. They're very excited about this year. I'm very excited about this year on the podcast. We crossed, here's a big celebration, right? Let's have a moment. We crossed half a million plays. In love with the process, crossed half a million plays on a podcast. Now, I know if you guys listen to Joe Rogan, I know if you guys are listening to Mark Marin, some of those other shows, you go, big fucking deal, Mike. They're single episodes do that. Let me just let me just try to put this in perspective. I started this show. Now, I'm nobody, right? I'm a nobody. Yes, I've been directing for 20 years. Yes, I've done music videos and stuff that you've seen, but I haven't directed a big feature film that you guys have all seen, right? I'm not the son of some big time producer, the cousin of some studio exec that gets access to folks. I didn't grow up in Los Angeles and go to Beverly Hills High with all of these actors and stuff. You're talking to a boy who comes from Boston, the middle of nowhere, comes here, and tries to start his career. And I've been doing the podcast now for five long years. We're pushing six years, right? Of hard work and, and just pushing through it. And the first couple of years, I think through the, the whole year, I would get maybe 3,000 plays. You know what I mean? For the whole fucking year. And it's been this slow build, this slow build. Half a million plays means a lot. It means a lot to us. It means a lot to you guys and girls who have been with us since the beginning. And for those of you just coming on board, we're so happy to have you here. And why do people stay? Why do people listen to this show? It's because you're a part of it. I've always said since the beginning, in love with the process, is everything about the movie industry, the music industry, the food industry, all of that without an Instagram filter. Because the danger... The danger, and I, b believe me, I, I've talked about this on other shows. I grew up believing the bullshit. I grew up watching David Fincher rise to fame going, all I need to do is do some music videos and then I'll get a movie career, right? I believed the, the gloss, the hype, the behind the scenes reels. 
and it was wrong. And I wish I knew 10 years ago how wrong it was. And there have been multiple times that I've sunk into depression because it's not going the way that I think it's supposed to go based upon what I saw, which wasn't true. So on this show, we try to be real. I'm trying to give you guys and girls what it's really like so that if you're putting together a business plan, if you're putting together goals, if you're having a dream, you understand truly what it is about it that is real and what isn't and what it is that you can fall in love with and pursue and how to work towards those goals. That's the hope. And I think that's why this show has half a million fucking plays. So cool, man. Thank you, everybody, for listening. All right. That's it, man. Let's 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 get into it. Anna's got a lot to talk about, and I'm excited to uh, really dig into it. So you got those noise-canceling headphones on, yeah? All right. All right. Find a comfy seat. Crank them up to 11. What movie am I referencing every time I say that? Send me a note. Um, and uh, you know the deal. Sit back. Relax. Enjoy the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. Thanks for being on the show. I'm excited to talk to you. Oh, thank you so much. I feel very honored that you asked me. I think it's great. Thank you. <laughs> well, look, there's a, there's a couple there's a couple reasons why I'm excited, and I, uh, I one I think that most people think they know what a continuity person does, but they don't actually know what a continuity person does. So I'm excited to sort of get into that. Two. Uh, your credit list and the films and the directors that you've worked with, my God, <laughs> <laughs> the stories that you must have, okay? It's fantastic. It really is. It's It's been quite a, I mean, I just can't believe it how lucky and fortunate I was. I am a perfect example of being at the right time at the right place. And then, of course, having some sort of talent in, in this job, you know, because <laughs> you got to have something too. But it, that really was very true in my my whole career. Well, how how long have you been doing it for? Oh, I hate to say. <laughs> oh, I, well, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I've been in the union now, espérate, 46 years. Wow. Wow. In the union. And I did about maybe a year or two years before that, before I got in, you know, because I got in right away. I was really, like, again, I said I was really lucky. Well, how'd you, how'd you get in? How'd you get into it? 
Well, you know, this is going back to the days of not having this podcast and TikTok and all these things and internet <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. There was nothing, nothing. Yeah. You just sort of uh, learned. I learned by chance that there was this job called script supervisors. And I took it when it was explained to me. I said, oh, that's like a secretary. Of course, it's not like a secretary. And most <laughs> script supervisors would kill me if I ever said like that. But that's what I thought at the time because of the way it was described. They said, you take notes, you sit next to the director. And I said, oh, that I can do that, you know. And of course, I didn't understand how much more it entailed, you know, at the time. And so I just plunged right in and I started to learn as I went along. I was very, very fortunate to have always in almost every film I did in the beginning have someone that had a lot of experience and they would show me something and I would, you know, incorporate it. And that's how I went about it. I still mm. do that to this day, believe it or not. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that, there's, there's something to be said because I always get this, I always get this question from a lot of the young listeners is like, should I go to film school? Should I not go to film school? And I'm like, eh, it really kind of depends. But my experience has been like, you learn a lot when you're working and you learn a lot when you're on set, you know, and it, it's, do you feel that same way? I do. I come from that generation. You know, when I joined in, everyone, pretty much everyone that worked on films uh, just got in. I remember meeting a grip and, and I said, how'd you get in? He said, they came into my town. I was plowing and they said, do this. And I did it. And I became a grip. <laughs> and of course he was, he's one of the great ones now because of so many years of experience. So I come from that of like your hands on and you have to have some sort of aptitude for film. Yeah. You know, you have to have that, that brain, that mindset. Um, you have to love filmmaking. You have to love the world that we live in. You know, you have to love being a gypsy and being a free spirit and being in the circus. Cause I've always described film sets as a circus. Mm. We're in town, you know, mm -hmm. we take over wherever we shoot. If you just look at us and you look around town and you see the trucks, we take over that whole little area and we become our own little village. <laughs> we are totally self-sufficient in everything for ourselves. And we totally cut out the world outside of us, you know, to make the magic, so to speak, you know? And um, so that's how it, you know, uh, you have to love that and be, and it's also a world, it's a, it's, it's sort of being an artist, so to speak, yep. um, because you live a world that you don't know where you work today, where you work tomorrow. You know, it's not a job that you're hired like in a company, mm -hmm. you, you're a freelancer. So some days you work, some days you have money, some days you don't have money. You don't know if you'll ever work again. It's always that <laughs> you never know if you will ever, ever work again. Yeah. Um, but I loved it. I, I love that feeling. I love being free. You know, of course, you know, being young has a lot to do with it. You know, I think if, <laughs> if you were to start at this age, you'd go, what are you insane? I'm not doing that. <laughs> and also, you know, I used to like, for example, I used to love night shooting. I used to think night shooting was so romantic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was so beautiful. There was something about being up all night and, and working and, and, uh, you know, the excitement, the glamour in a certain way, the glamour of it sure. always our side as a, a technician we don't have the glamour that of course the front of the camera people do you know <laughs> but we live in that world of glamour yes. you know we get to see them in their glamour world and it was just really beautiful and what was really beautiful when i started was that there was so little knowledge of how filmmaking was filming was being done mm. now of course you can just turn on anything and you'll see how every film is being shot which i find in certain ways for me 
um, I find that it kills the magic a little yes, bit. Yes, I agree. I, I, not knowing how something was done, you know, because it's it's the beauty of it. Because when you're sitting in that cinema, you want to be carried into that world. While if you already saw all the behind the scenes, you go see the movie and you go, oh, I know that they were doing that here. Then I go, no, that doesn't, it doesn't work for me. I mean, yeah. I still live in the, in the fantasy of it all. You have to understand that, you know, I, I, if I may say, I was born and raised in Chile uh-huh. and I'm a child and, um, and my mother had to work, you know, right away because we were very, very poor. And so I lived mainly alone and I discovered films. I guess I was maybe eight or something like that. I remember, I think my first film that I saw was Wizard of Oz, which uh-huh. is amazing, right? Yeah. And, and in Chile. And, I fell in love with that whole world, you know, because it took me there. And I think because of my background, it was a great way to escape, which, by the way, at this age, I still escape, believe it or not. (laughs) Well, that says a lot because you know everything about how movies are in. You know what? I I say I have have a huge addiction. I have a huge, (laughs) which there's no group to help me. And that is I am totally addicted to old films. And the reason why I love old films well, first of all, I loved the way they were made. I loved, you know, how long they held on shots and things mm-hmm. like that. But it takes you back to days, of course. Of course, there was all this nonsense going on, just like it is today. But you didn't know about it. So I love watching it, you know, and I love it. Because it takes me back every time. Every time I turn on, like, a beautiful old film. Yes. Like Casablanca, like Now Voyager, like all these amazing films. It takes you back and you're in that world instantly. And yes, I love it. I, agree. I love it. It's, I agree. It's, it's, I agree completely. When I do most of my films, uh, I love doing period stuff and I love doing timeless stuff because it just disconnects you from like cell phones and TikTok. It, it sort of gets rid of all of that noise and it really brings me the same way, brings me into movies. I love that about them. I love it. I love it. I love, I love our world and I still do. And I hope to... I want to continue. I mean, I'm going to continue working. They're going to have to carry me out. I figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I say, too. You, I'm going to keel over the craft service table one day, and that'll be the end of me. <laughs> the end of day, you get rid of me because I love it. I love the energy. I love, you know, now I'm really enjoying it, uh, watching all the, the next wave of people, you know, filmmakers that are coming in. They're so different. You know, they're all working with amazing technology. Uh, which is fantastic to see and learn and watch. And it's great to to watch and listen to the youthful energy. You know, it's a different, it's a different world. They see everything different. They yeah. do everything different, but I love it. It's fantastic. It keeps you, keeps you going. You well, know? well, let's go back in time again. Let's go back. Let's mm-hmm. go, so day one, first shoot, right? You show up with a pad of paper and a pen, right? <laughs> like how quickly, what was the first day like for you? How quickly did you learn that it was bigger than you thought? Well, you know, I did do a couple of little student films at Los Angeles City College. Mm-hmm. I went in there just because I had no idea what the heck I was doing. And I went in and I took a class, almost never went to class, because uh, my girlfriend and I, all we were doing is playing around all the time. But I remember someone saying, can you help us today? And I said, sure, what? What do you want me to do? They said, Could you, can you write the notes? And I said, sure. And I wrote them. And that was it. So I sort of had some inkling of what it was, but not really. Mm-hmm. But it but in one of these little student films, a young man was able to get money to go to uh, Ensenada to do a film, a documentary about people living in the um, in the in the trash. You know, it was really it was an incredible little film, hmm. and it happened to be that a gentleman 
uh, was giving his time, was mentoring these filmmakers. And he had been one of the editors in Cleopatra. Oh. So for me, that was like amazing because um, script supervisors, we work very closely with editorial. Yes. Which I didn't know at the time. And then, of course, I learned with him. But he was very instrumental because I was writing things and he says, oh, you don't have to write that, but, you know, you need to write this. And I went, oh, fantastic. So I picked up a couple of things. And in another little small film that I did, we went to uh, Tuskegee, Alabama Mm -hmm. to shoot about the Tuskegee experiment. And again, it was a wonderful filmmaker who had gotten some grants, an African-American filmmaker, which in those days was unheard of. Right, right. Um, He had gotten a little money to shoot this thing. But what was great about that film was that he had the the DP camera operator and the key grip were the first two African-Americans to ever be allowed in the union. Whoa. that's so they crazy. Had done, yeah, so they had done quite a few films. So again, here we all were, you know, running around with our heads cut off, <laughs> and they were they knew what filmmaking was. So he would say to me, "No, no, no, you should know this. You should know what a fifty millimeter lens is." I said, "What's a fifty millimeter lens?" He goes, "That's what goes in the camera." <laughs> so he explained things to me, so I was able to grab from there. So when I did my first professional film, I was still pretty much just, you know flopping around you know i still didn't quite get it all sure and i was hired um i was hired because they needed someone who was bilingual because the film was going to mexico and this is when in the days when american films a lot of american films were going to mexico because you know it was cheaper for them to use mexican crews you Mm -hmm, know mm -hmm. and they're incredibly experienced because they had done films with John Ford. They had done films with John Huston. They had done films with Buñuel. Wow. So, I mean, these crews were amazing, right? So, but they, but the director was coming from England. And so they hired me. I was very young and they hired me and they said, we feel that it's very important for the script supervisor to speak, you know, to be bilingual because the director doesn't speak Spanish and he'll need to communicate. And they kept saying to me how important it was. And I keep thinking to myself, why do they keep telling me I'm important? I don't understand this because I did not understand the job yet. Yeah. And we, we went to Mexico and it was fantastic for me because most of the crew that were all in their fifties and sixties, you know, and they had done, I don't know how many movies besides all the American movies, they had done hundreds of Mexican movies that were uh, amazing uh, Mexican movies. So they had a lot of experience and the AD had been a script supervisor for years. So these people really, really, all sort of helped me along. You know, the DP realized that I knew nothing. And of course, he was always flirting, but it was a great way to get behind the camera to look at the lenses. You know, he'd always go, come over here. I know that this doesn't work with today's world. I get it. And I understand it. And of course, it shouldn't be. But But um, I get it too. I understand what you're saying. (laughs) Being a Latin, and I know exactly how to deal with the whole Latin world, I was able to use that to my advantage. So I used them as opposed to they use me. Um, <laughs> but I'll tell you the best story, and I've told this story before, and I hope that people who are listening are not going to say, oh, my God, we've heard this before. But that was my first professional film. And the location was like almost two hours away from the hotel. Mm. I was so nervous, and I was so caught up in the world, and I was so much everything. So we're driving to the location. I get to the location, and I get out of the car, and I realize I left the script back in the hotel. <laughs> I don't have a script. 
So that was my first experience in my first <laughs> professional film. But of course, being young and cute, <laughs> yeah. and by the way, almost the only woman on set, yep. all the men, uh, it was like a Western. I said, uh, excuse me, I forgot the script. And literally, it was like 10 men offered their scripts, <laughs> which is hysterical. I think about that today, and my dream has always been that if I ever made a movie, I have to have that scene in a You in a should. Movie. That's a great scene. <laughs> because I would love to do the before and the now. And if I was to do that today, I can see all the men looking at me and going, please get this woman out of here now. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So l- let me pretend. So that was my first experience. That was my first. And it was an English director uh, who had had a huge hit. And what was amazing about it, which I now understand, I didn't know what used to happen to big stars, you know, then they started to do B movies, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I, I didn't know any of the stuff. And this was re- really a B movie, but it was a huge, there was a lot of money in it. And it had all these huge stars. It had Ernest Borgnine, who played the devil. It had Ida Lupino, who had been in the golden years of cinema. She'd been one of the first women directors. It's crazy. Beautiful woman. Uh, It had um, Tom Skerritt, William Shatner, and Keenan Wynn, who had done over like millions of movies. And it had, this is the best part, it had a young man with no lines in it. All he did was melt by the devil's reign, and his name is John Travolta. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the name of the movie, right? Devil's Reign. That's the one oh, we're talking right. about. Yeah. Was, I hate it. And, and John was the sweetest, nicest man ever, young man. He was a young man, and he was very, you know, he hadn't hit big yet, because when we came back is when... Welcome back, Cotter made it big. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And he yeah. hadn't. But what was funny, he kept asking me things because he was he was also so new. And I kept going, oh, please, you got to get this kid away from me because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and I had to make believe like I knew. And he kept asking me things, you know, so it was really sweet. That's great. I can't wait to get into more stories like this. I, I, I want to pause us for a second here because I – I want to answer this question early on so the audience understands everything. How yes. how would you describe what is the the task of a script supervisor? Well, the task of the script supervisor and continuity um your main main job is to follow the continuity with wardrobe, with hair, with makeup, with uh, uh story what's in the story, uh dialogue changes. Uh, shots that have been done, shots that sh- will be done, and shots that should be done. Crazy. Um, that's 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 the base where you start from. From there, you are responsible. You're really, in a way, you know, almost like a court reporter. You know, mm. because you are taking down everything that's being said all day. So you are keeping uh, a record of everything that's done every day. So if anyone you know, especially when a movie takes three or four months, says, do you remember when we shot this? You go to your notes and you say you shot A, B, C, D. It's crazy. You have a record of it yeah. and you can go to it right away as opposed to them having to look at all the footage or because you're asking for something very quickly, you need to know quickly. Yeah. And also the director will say, you know, when we shot that scene, 
did did she say she was leaving the room or she was entering the room? So you go back to your notes again and you make you you made a note of what the actor said or how did the actor change the line? So you 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 are keeping a record. So your script at the end of the film is a bible of everything that was shot. Yeah. Which includes in your notes, you have to include all the camera information, Crazy. camera lenses, the description of the shot. What day it was shot? Did it have sound? Did it not have sound? Mm -hmm. uh, what filters were used? What kind of weather you had even? Sometimes, although most DPs do keep their own, but, you know, you'll say something like, like, you know, here in Los Angeles, which is very unusual, right? We had the, these rainy days. Mm -hmm. That would be very important to keep tabs because you might shoot three months from now and you'll say, no, 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 you can't look out that window because that day when we shot, you know, through the kitchen, it was all dark, you know, it was, yeah. it was raining, remember? And they go, Oh my God. So they figure out what to do. Um, so it's important to keep track of that. It's important. And then it's important to keep track of every take. Yeah. What take is good? What take is not good? Why was it good? Why was it not good? Is it incomplete? If it's incomplete up to where it went to. Yeah. Um, and then you listen to the director and the DP. Um, the DP will say, I didn't like that part. So you write, he didn't like that part. Or the director says, oh, I love the way she said her line. I love the way she turned around. Oh, I love that. You make those notes so that when, it, when the film goes to the editor, since the editor is not on set, he can decipher all yeah. these things, you know? Yeah. So you're really representing editorial also so that when they get the footage, they don't know what it is. They have no idea because they weren't on set, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so they don't know what was shot, what wasn't shot. So you are trying, you are putting everything in order for them. We are filing all the film, which is also what we do. We file. That's why we're in charge of doing the slates. You know, we give the slate a number because we are filing things. So we put everything in order so that when editorial gets all this footage, they go, oh, that's an airplane, but look, that airplane is for scene two, but that airplane is for scene 40. Right. What's the difference? Well, it could be that the actor is dead in scene 40. <laughs> so then you can't use that shot for scene one. Do you know what I mean? So I that's where you make distinctions, you know? And so um, that's that. Then you're also responsible for a production report, which um, tells you when you shot the first day. Of uh, when when the first shot was shot in the day, when you went to lunch, when you wrap, when the second shot, how many setups you did, how much time, how much screen time you shot for the day, how many scenes you shot, and how many pages you shot. This is very important for production and producers to know how we're doing. Yeah. Of course, they also work with with uh, the the uh, assistant director department, obviously. Yeah. But your yours is the 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 document that 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 backs everything that they've said because sometimes they'll say well we did that and i'll go no 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 we did it but we're missing two shots so you make a note of that which then becomes a big deal when you're done shooting because they go we have pickups what are the pickups Anna Maria? yes yes and then you end up having 20 pages of pickups and they all of course pass out and they hate you for the day. <laughs> but at the same time they go the director sort of loves you because yeah, of course of course <laughs> i would love you for it like i, I mean me, you know what's missing you know because i keep yeah. saying we're missing this we're missing that whether they need it or not it's not up to i mean I, I i sometimes will say to a director you might need this shot obviously when it gets to editorial and the editor is shot it he can always ask him do i still need that or not and nine out of ten 
the editor will say yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's usually something important. You know, you don't just make a comment out of just the blue, you know, obviously. Right. Um, what else do we do? We're also responsible when there's rehearsals to be there to track <laughs> everything that's being done because sometimes they'll rehearse and then when we go shoot, they'll say, didn't she – did she walk on that line? Did she not walk on that line? And of course you have that and you remind hmm. them because hmm. actors will rehearse. Then they go get a makeup and hair and then they come back and then all of a sudden they go, Oh, did I say I was going to turn here? What did I do? You know? Yeah. And you help them in that. So you track that, you track rehearsals, you track change in dialogue, you make all changes. You're totally responsible for everything that's on the script has to be shot. Good. Yeah. Everything has to be shot. Of course, you turn to a director and the director says, I don't want that. Then you go, fine. Sure. He's, he's, he's the law, obviously. But it is your job to point it out to make sure that it has been addressed, you yeah. know? Yeah. And um, so that, and what else do we do? We rehearse. We, oh, we give out lines when the director, uh, we also keep track when the actor forgets his line or says the wrong thing. Sure. And diplomatically, you go over and you say, you don't say anything derogatory to them because they're so insecure and they get very upset. <laughs> so you say, did you, I always go, I always do it the other way. I always go, did you want to say this or did you, you know, and I'll show them the line and they go, oh, I guess I should be saying it the way it's written, huh? And I go, okay. <laughs> you got to, you know, be very nice to them because they're the ones who are looking at the screen anyway. But Sure, sure, sure. But, um, so you're responsible for that. Uh -huh. Some I have worked, I've had the honor of working with some amazing writers uh, where they were very uh, strict about they wanted every word being said the way it is. You yeah. Know? And so, so of course you make sure about that. And if they don't like it, then they have to have it out with the director, not with you, obviously, although they do take it out on you most of the time. But anyway, <laughs> that's part of the job. The part of the job also is because you're a department of one and you're at the center, you are always, you know, by the director uh, and the AD and the DP, because you got to know all the time what's going on, what shots are being done, what's going on. Um, you are also on set, your mom, your girlfriend, your confidant, you're the priest, you're everything. They all come and tell you everything, everything, everyone. And so you're listening all day and all the complaints and all the things and actors going, I don't know, to help, help me, rehearse with me or whatever, you know. Uh -huh. you're, you're there for everyone and everything at all times. So, <laughs> so it sounds like it's a really easy job. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, how do you – so this is what blows my mind, right? Be, that film sets can be incredibly chaotic, right? And they can be insanely like, like a storm. Something off, if you're lucky, a perfectly run storm, but – really it's a storm and there's the stress of like getting a, the, the right amount of shots done in a day. And how do you stay? F Cause you need to be hyper-focused. So how do you yeah. stay focused um, uh, amongst the tornado that is movie making? Like what's your process? I, I, what, I, I don't know. I just, I go in and, you know, I am able to shut out all noise except I am totally in tune to the director's voice and the AD's voice. Mm. It's amazing. I can do that. That's why sometimes when I'm working at home or something, people say, oh, is it okay if I make noise? I say, you can make all the noise in the world. It doesn't bother me. Because <laughs> if I'm doing something, I can totally shut it out and work on what I'm working on and not be bothered with everything else. I, I just, I guess I just learned that, that um, I don't know, how would you say it? It's just something we learn as we go along that yeah. you have to stay. And I'm 100% focused. I don't let anything else distract me. 
Um, you know, we're not like chit-chatting about the weather and the football game and things. I, at least I'm not. And in today's world, one of the things that I'm a little, I mean, I wish the newer scripture writers would do the same. The minute I walk on set, I turn off my phone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The minute I walk on set, number one, because of course you never want the phone to go on, to go off while you're shooting, obviously. I turn, I don't look at it till lunchtime. Yeah. And I look at it at wrap and people go, oh my God, but what if I go, well, if you miss something, you miss, but I can't not do this. Either I do this a hundred percent or I do it 50, 50 and I just can't, and I don't want to. Right. And I'll say that to production because production now, of course, they're sending you a million emails and I'll say, do not send me an email when I'm working because I'm not going to look at it. I'm going to see it when I wrap at night. Yeah. You know, but if you want to tell me something, come and tell me on the set. Where are, where are you going to be? I go, oh, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I said, I am only in one place. I am never anywhere else but that place. Yeah, uh, right at the front. I'm at the front. Yes. I'm at the, it's one of the hazards of our job because uh, the other day I did it and I realized I can't do it that much anymore because of age also. Uh, I didn't drink and I didn't eat all day. Oh and uh, yeah. now drinking water, I'm used to because uh, as a wonderful script supervisor from England once said to me, she goes, we're camels. And I go, no kidding, we're camels. Because <laughs> we cannot drink water because we can't can't go to the bathroom. Yeah, of course, right. you know, they say you can, but that's not true because you go and then somebody asks you something. I just told the story the other day, which I couldn't believe it. I remembered it. I forget what film it was on, which I wouldn't mention anyway. But- I had to go to the bathroom and I ran to the bathroom, right? Uh-huh. An assistant, an assistant director followed me to the bathroom with the walkie saying, they need you on set. And I go, really? I'm in the toilet. I mean, what, <laughs> what do you think I'm going to do once I finish from the toilet? I'm going to go back to set. I'm not going to go, what am I going to do? Go to makeup? I mean, I don't understand, but they followed me. So it's that kind of a thing. You could be on set and nothing's being said. And the minute you step out, they want you. Yeah. They want you for something. Something, yeah. makeup, hair, somebody's asking a question. You know, that's the other thing. I I have this image, which happens to me, especially in, in very big films. I arrive on set, and from the walk from the, from the door, entering the set, the stage, yeah. where Video Village is, mm-hmm. I've been asked a minimum of five to eight questions. <laughs> yeah, like a director at that point. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> you're asked about, oh, by the way, is, you know, it, you know, there's a calendar, and I don't know if it's May or April. And I go, okay, I'll, let me, as soon as I go and look, I'll let you know. Um, you know, the hair, was this, was this supposed to be very, very wet or a little wet? Because I don't remember was, you know, I go, okay, I'll go look at it. Of course, they didn't keep track of it. Um, <laughs> and then you go, and then somebody else says something else. You know, they, they need a shot list. You know, what happened to that? Or the AD wants to talk to you. And so there's, there's a million questions by the time you, you get to your, your station to just open up the book to get started, you know. All right, it's time to take a moment. It's time to talk about our returning sponsors, the people that came back to the show this year. I'm fucking excited about it. Can you hear it in my voice? Why is Mike so excited? Because I don't have to charge you guys to listen to the show. I can keep this for free. And your boy can do more episodes, right? Because they're helping me pay for my rent. <laughs> so here's the here's the most important thing to do. Okay. You got to click on the links in the description of this episode because they're trackable links. I've had a few sponsors in the past be like, you know, we didn't really get that many clicks. And so we're kind of unsure. 
Can, can you just click on each one of the links? If, if there's something that you feel like you got to do for the show and you're like feeling guilty because you don't pay for the show, just click on each link. Maybe go through, look at some of their stuff. They're safe links. There's no viruses and there's nothing that you have to worry about. Just look at their shit. Then they know. They know that you're listening to me telling you about their stuff on the show. Then it becomes valuable to them. Then they continue to sponsor us. So I cannot say that enough. Please, please, please click the links. I'm not asking you to fucking, you know, follow us or do all that. I, I, I know the deal. I watch enough YouTube videos. It always gets obnoxious when people like ring the bell or whatever the fuck. This, I'm being truthful with you. Help me get paid to keep this show alive. Click the links in the description of this episode or go to inlovewiththeprocess.com and check out all our sponsors on the sponsor page. Is Consider that your homework when you listen to the show. It helps keep us alive. All right. So first up, our good friends over at Boca Rentals. If you are in Los Angeles and you're looking for the place, if you're looking to form a relationship with a rental company, and it always surprises me how many young filmmakers are nervous about doing that, are, are worried about going in with a rental place, especially some of the big boys, right? Are these people going to take me seriously? I don't spend the same kind of money that Scorsese does when he comes in here. Am I just going to become a little guy in the totem pole? Are they going to overcharge me? Like, what is the deal with insurance? All of that stuff. I advise you find a rental company that is more boutique, that is more in play with younger filmmakers, that is more focused on like helping young cinematographers become successful. And you want a place that is current with their advertising, current, and they understand what it is and how it is you find your work right? I'm talking about Boca Rentals. I love these guys. I found them on Instagram initially. And uh, if you go to BocaRentals.com, you can see the list of gear that they have. These guys carry more of the coolest lenses, the stuff that you see every Netflix show shot with. These guys have it all. They have it all. They give me some pointers here. They are the cinema resource specialist, uh, premium full service cinema, a uh, specialist located in the heart of Los Angeles. It is a one-stop shop for all your needs when it comes to camera gears and camera packages. They have a broad spectrum array of cinema lenses co covering all formats and lens mounts. The stuff that I've been releasing recently for B. Miller, the stuff that I was the cinematographer on for director Gina Manning, who she killed it, by the way, um, we rented all the gear through Boca. So I got an Airy LF. So I got an Airy Airy mini lf slow it down michael there you go and uh we shot it with some um cook ranchero spherical lenses and i was actually surprised believe it or not um if you go higher on the lens uh uh jesus my brain is not working today so if you're above a 50 millimeter i think it was if you're above a 35 millimeter those lenses will still cover the full sensor on a large format camera so we did a lot of stuff large format that first video we shot was all shot, framed, and delivered in large format. And those Rancheros are beautiful. Um, I've been there. I've got walked through their vault of lenses and all the stuff that they have. And there's so many lenses that I can't wait to pull off the shelf and shoot with. Check out Boca Rentals. Go to BocaRentals.com and see what it is that I'm talking about. These guys really give a shit. They strive to inspire a new generation of filmmakers. Um, and they're continuing to change the landscape for production solutions into the future. 
They are completely focused on professionalism, reliability, and creating value for their clients. And more importantly, that was me reading their stuff. More importantly, they give a shit about us, okay? I go in there, they know my name, they're excited to see me. And it's not just because I run a podcast. It's because I've gone and done work. And here's what else is really cool about these guys. When I post the work and I tag them in it, they not only want to repost it, but they're like, hey, do you got behind the scenes images? Do you got stuff that you shot with? That's advertising that goes out to all the producers that go to their Instagram account. You know what I mean? Think about that. Anyway, BocaRentals.com. Also supporting the show, our friends over at Puget Systems. I love Puget Systems. If you're in the marketplace to build a new editing computer, maybe you want to build a new gaming computer. Maybe you're just going to be lazy, right? Um, Or if you're doing Photoshop work or VFX, 3D design, build yourself a PC. And, you know, don't take it on yourself. There's so many different pieces of hardware out there. Does it work with this motherboard? I don't know. Who do I go to? Who's tested this hardware with the new software that's come out? Puget Systems has. They benchmark test everything. Let me read you a little bit off their website. It's been a while since I've done that. At Puget Systems, we do a lot of testing. We believe that computers should be a pleasure to purchase and own. They should get your work done and not be a hindrance. I love that. To do that, they need to be the right hardware for the job. We take it on as our mission to test and validate the industry's most popular applications, ensuring the software runs properly and that our hardware is optimized for performance. We have found this type of information is often either not available at all or extremely dated or no longer accurate when you're looking for it on Google and stuff. So you're searching that out. So we share this information freely. The goal of our recommended systems program is to contribute our knowledge back to the community. Go to PugetSystems.com and check out what it is that I'm talking about. These guys are the shit. I cannot say enough great things about Puget. Um, okay, also supporting the show, Fujifilm. Go to fujifilm-x.com and check out their sexy cameras. I know so many of you listeners on the show have been asking me about my X-H2S and how much I love it. I do love it. It is such a great rig. We're in the process of trying to get the PL mount for it right now from a, a wooden camera, I think, is the ones that make that. So if I get a PL mount for this little son of a bitch, then I can put uh, anamorphic lenses on it and it could be a second shooter on my sets. I'm excited about it. Uh, Faster than ever camera, 30 frames per second, blackout burst, I'm sorry, blackout free burst shooting, uh, 30 frames shooting over a thousand frames. That's for when you're doing still stuff. Um, More powerful than ever, 6.2K at 30p, 4K at 120p, increased recording time. (laughs) We sort of glaze over this. Most DSLRs will stop recording in about 10 minutes, 15 minutes, which makes it ridiculous for any long format stuff. So if you're looking for cameras to shoot your podcast, multiple rigs, you should definitely check out these cameras, man. They're awesome. Go to fujifilm-x.com and check out the X-H2S. And while you're at it, be sure to listen to all the Fujifilm creator series that we do here at In Love With The Process. We have a bunch more coming this year, but they're essentially, we sit down with filmmakers that Fujifilm has been supporting. Maybe they're sponsoring them, maybe they're just promoting them, and they're like, Mike, we go through this list and see if anybody on this list would be good for the show. Most of them are. There's really great stories, 
really great creators, all supported by Fujifilm. I'm proud to be on that list. All right, let's get back to the show. I'm sure it's changed a little bit with technology for you, but I, re- you know, I remember when I first started making movies, there was, you know, uh, a scripty sort of sitting with a Polaroid around her neck and a stack of Polaroids, <laughs> yeah. and that was, <laughs> you know, trying to catalog and library all those different Polaroids. I'm sure you're doing all that stuff digitally now, right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, we used to do a lot. I wish I'd kept those Polaroids. I had so many of them because now they're worth a fortune. But anyway, yeah, you could have done I, a book with those. <laughs> oh no, no, I have the Polaroid photographs, by the way, because they're in the books and some of them my scripts. I have twenty five boxes of scripts in there. Oh my god! But I know, but um, but I had the Polaroid cameras, you know, and those are worth so much money now. The the Polaroid cameras are yes, worth a lot. Yes, they are. But anyway, so I started doing that, and then I used to do little drawings. Not that I'm very good at that, but I have a really good um i when i look at something i have this thing i don't know what it is where i can walk somewhere and then i go oh something's wrong here something doesn't work here something's not what okay what's wrong here and i'll look at that's not where that's supposed to be and they'll go what and it just happens to me you know that happens to me Hmm. but um i learned very early how to focus on the main action because you can't really see everything. Yeah. You know, you can't. Yeah. And you also need everyone else on the set. And most of the time, most of the crew are just fantastic and wonderful and great. And they also pay attention. Do you know what I mean? So you do have a prop person paying attention. You have an effects person paying attention. You have makeup hair. And if they're all watching, then you can all connect. And I can say, you know, I, it's bothering me because I don't think her hair was down like that when she when she sits down. Yeah. And they'll go, no, it was. And I go, okay, I'll go with you because I'm having a doubt, you know. Sure. So I started to do more of that. And then people, everyone started to take photographs. And I said, well, if everyone's taking photographs, then why am I taking a photograph? You know, I can go to that department, you know, and say – when I see your photograph of the wardrobe, I want to con- connect something, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't. And now what I do, of course, I can't take stills on the computer because, of course, you know, with QTake and with many other uh, sites, I can look at the shot in my computer. I don't even need a monitor. You know, I can look at the shot in my computer. Sure. And I can take a photograph and look at things. Um, but because we have, you know, I started without VTR. So, of course, then you ne- did need more. Yeah. Uh, things to help you now with vtr you can play back any shot yeah, so, yeah it's pretty quick it's now. Like, yeah and and also i mean that's your best bet better than anything you know because to, to ask an actor after you've done this don't move don't move it's like they don't like the, to do that and nobody you know with today's <laughs> world where nothing can take over five minutes now of course you know you've got to go 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 um yeah so you know, so so I so I do use it, and I do take stills uh, uh, doing the shoot of the things just to look at things. Um, sometimes that helps the director because I'll I'll walk over with the computer when he's trying to set up a shot, and I'll say, you know, I don't know about that angle. You know, that's another thing we have to help out with when sometimes a director has a question about an angle and eye line mm. and cover. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, 
That's a big but, thing. A lot of people yeah. don't realize that. Like as a director, because I just shot a thing uh, a couple weeks ago, and we did a very small thing, and I didn't have a script super with me. And so you, you, there are these details that stack on you, and your brain, your brain tells you something completely wrong. Like you right. like I was on set doing this thing and I was I was convinced that it was this way and then you get into the edit room and you go <laughs> I was totally wrong about that you know it's, <laughs> your your brain plays tricks on you it really does oh, of course. so so it does help to have someone else who has that perception of what's being shot yeah. to give another perspective you know yeah it helps you could still do it the the way you want to do it you know I'm I'm one of these scripts where I don't fight you know I'll let you know. I'll say, you know, I'm a little worried about the close-up, but I'm not sure. And the director will say, this is the way I want it. And I go, thank you. Okay, fine. Because <laughs> nowadays you are breaking so many more rules yes. than we did in the beginning. Yes. yes. Things used to be much more unforgiving. Yes. It's not so much right now because of the pace of films and because of the stories and because things are more realistic, mm-hmm. you know, you can get away with a lot of you know, breaking a lot of rules. And I've noticed that a lot. While if you look at some of the old films, they were so standard, you know, it was the one big wide shot, one medium and one close up. So you sort of pretty much had to keep, you know, within those boundaries. But in nowadays, oh my God, there's so much you can do. And I've watched it and seen it and people break the eyeline all the time and it works. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's an argument that, you know, with the, with the MTV sort of edit style that came out through the eighties and the nineties, it really sort of changed Mm -hmm. our, the audience's ability to sort of process that language, you know? And so now you can hyper jump cut cross the line. You can do all sorts of stuff. And the right. audience has also seen it because, before. Also because your editing is so much faster now. Yes. You know, you really, very, very unusual to hold a scene for very long, yes. you know? Yeah. Those are what they call the artsy films, you know, or the, <laughs> you, know, because, you know, whatever those are. And the I A24 love- The movie. I missed, I, I love doing them too. It's like, and, and there's something, I just watched the other day a samurai movie, uh, Hurry Curry or Hurry Carry, I can never pronounce it, but it's so, mm-hmm. so wonderful in the 40s. And it's just long, long, beautifully yeah. composed takes. I love that stuff. I miss that stuff. And, I really and how about those actors remembering, like, I don't know how many pages of dialogue. Oh, my God. I mean, oh my one God. shot. And you look at it and you go, oh, my God, this is beautiful. Yeah. It's fantastic. But now everything's cut up because, uh, you know, the, the audience of today doesn't doesn't hold. The, the attention span doesn't hold that long anymore. You know, you got to give them something different every time. Yeah. Quickly. Yeah. Every Quickly. once in a while you find a filmmaker like Nicholas Refen does it a lot. I'm, I'm watching his new series now where I'm like, whoa, this is very, this is very slow. Um, his, it's a Copenhagen cowboy is what it's called. And it's on oh Netflix God. and it's very slow, very cool, very beautiful. Um, but you know, you have to be, it's so funny. You have to teach and train the younger uh, audience members now. Like, okay, you leave the phone in the other room. Yes. Oh, that's a big deal. I know. Yeah. And now you get into the zone. Like let's, let's meditate a little bit, (laughs) (laughs) slow down your life a little bit and then watch this. Cause there's so much, I mean, that's why David Lynch movies are so beautiful. Like he, Fantastic, because there's so much in that frame going yeah, on. Yeah, and, and he builds this trance-like state of you, where you get lost in this trance, and then he has this ability to scare you and pull you down into these really strange rabbit holes that you couldn't get with the fast cut stuff. There's just not enough time. 
on screen yeah. to do it. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. His yeah. stuff is beautiful. Yeah, really it's, cool. Very cool. So I'm, I'm so super excited to get into this other stuff. So <laughs> obviously you're good at what you do. And obviously you form really close bonds with directors because you've been called back multiple times. I mean, how many Spielberg movies have you worked on at this point? I think I, I was trying to, I, I guess I'd have to look at my, I, I think it's 11 or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. That's but now cr- they don't call anymore. So <laughs> something happened. <laughs> but I know that uh, it's because I, from Lincoln on, uh, Lincoln, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis wanted it, wanted his own script supervisor. Oh, wow. <clears throat> and after that, the films that he did, he did them all in England or back East. And for some reason, someone said that they can't take you or whatever, which is not true. But anyway, it's changed. It's okay. It's okay. You know, it's good to change also. Uh, but we were together for a long time and it, I am so proud and honored to, to have that on my resume. I can't, I just, I look at it sometimes and I can't believe it. I get embarrassed when somebody points it out sometimes because I, you know, I just, I'm just incredibly blessed to have done that. You know, you know, what's really funny. I'll never forget. Uh, I forget what movie was being shown. I had just had my son mm-hmm. and I was watching some sort of big movie and I guess it was by Lucas. So I can't remember at the time, but I remember saying to myself, I said, Oh, I'll never work in those movies. I'll never work in one of those big, you know, things and stuff like that. Sure. And, Lo and behold, two weeks later, I get this call from uh, the producer saying that they were uh, interviewing script supervisors. And and they said Steven Spielberg. But you have to remember that when I started with him, he was Steven Spielberg, obviously, but he wasn't the Steven Spielberg. The Steven Spielberg, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, he had done his films, right? You know, Jaws and E.T. and, you know, the wonderful, what's up, the wonderful film with Goldie Hawn that I love. Oh, uh, anyway. oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's right there. Yeah, that's you know an Empire of the Sun and things like. But then he had taken a hiatus. I think it was because of after the Blues Brothers and things like that. I think he he hadn't done anything for two or three years or something. Yeah. So he was coming back with Hook, sort of speak, you know. Yeah. And um, I guess the script supervisor he had used a lot an English script script supervisor because he had shot in England a lot or something, and so. They came, they were interviewing and he wasn't liking anyone or whatever. And so they, this one gentleman who was a producer now had met me on another set and had remembered me. This is what I mean by being at the right time at the right place. Mm-hmm. And so he, he remembered me and he suggested me. And so I went in for the interview and I went in for the interview and we went to the office and he wasn't in the office. And, and all of a sudden he's walking up the hallway <laughs> and he interviewed me in the hallway and I thought, oh, this means um, there's no way, right? I mean, because he, I mean, you know, didn't say come into the office, didn't ask me any questions. And I remember he, and I've told this before, he said a joke, and I remember I laughed, and uh, I don't have no idea what the joke was. And then he said, okay, thank you very much, and we walked away. And I thought, oh, I didn't get that, that's for sure. <laughs> and then we went back to the office, and you know, nothing, you know, talked a little bit, and then that was it. And then. The next day they said, you're hired. And I went, oh my God, you must be joking. You know, I, couldn't <laughs> believe it. I couldn't believe it. And we went out to do Hook and uh, it was very hard for me. That was very difficult, you know, to learn his way, to learn his Ooh, rhythm. What was hard What have- was hard about it? What was hard? This is interesting. Well, it was a very, you know, it was a very big film and uh, it was, you know, it was 500 extras every day, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's insane. Who was wonderful. Of course, you know, uh, Robin Williams, who 
God, I mean, what a, what a person. I mean, just fantastic. Mm-hmm. But he would all of a sudden stop, you know, and do a monologue for 30 minutes. And of course, you know, this is all production time. <laughs> 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 and then, uh, of course, they had Julia Roberts, which we won't talk about now. <laughs> but anyway, uh, but anyway so, so it was very intense. And I had to learn, you know, what was his method? What did he like? What did he not like? Because that's the one thing you have to learn as a script supervisor. You have to fit into this new person, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's like marriage again, and and you have to be able to. If you're going to say something, when are you going to say it? And if you say the wrong thing, you know they're going to look at you like you're an idiot in front of all these people. So it's really hard, you know. It's it, it was very hard at first to learn, but I made up my mind I was going to. I was going to learn him, and I was going to see what he was doing because I loved the film. Mm-hmm. It was well, it's one of the last big films being shot, by the way, because mm-hmm. it. We shot it in those huge stages, which I think one of the stages of Universals is gone, which broke my heart because the ship, you know, the ship of Hook was really, it was the, it was almost like life-size. Oh my it was God. so big. Yeah. It was so big. It was, it was incredible. Wow. It was, I mean, the sets were amazing. That's what I'm saying. I don't think in today's world you'd do that because of course you didn't have as much of the visual effects that you have today. You know? Sure. Of course. Of course. But still that's like, all practical. Such a, that must've been so oh, magical to, to, to go to so the show. Fantastic. To walk on that set, you felt like you walked into, you know, that fairy tale land every day, you mm, know, mm. where the boys were, you know, the lost boys, everything. Oh, it was just fantastic. It was just great. But it was a very hard, you know, and it was a lot to do every day and it was difficult and, you know, and so it, it was hard, but I decided I was going to. And I actually thought I'll never get called back again because I didn't think he liked me. And then I was called back for Jurassic Park. And that was the, <laughs> and that was the next thing, which again, I said, what are we doing? There's what? There's who's walking where? What are you talking about? You know, I had no idea what anybody was talking about, but it was wonderful to be with the finest of, of, of uh, you know, Lucas, you know, there, that world. And to listen and to learn and to be there at the forefront when that whole visual effects world was coming alive, you know, it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The discovery that they made with the, because originally they were going to do all the dinosaurs uh, stop animation, right? Like stop motion animation. Yeah. Oh, and then of course you had Stan Winston and all that. I mean, it was just fantastic. That must have been, it must have been insane to go to like... Anytime I go to anytime I go to the LA Zoo, I'm like, man, it's almost like being in Jurassic Park. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, it was it was fantastic. So you know, and I and I I I decided to learn his his way of working, the way he he works, you know, and that you have to. And I think that is really where I I really zeroed in on my craft as far as because with him, you really. You have to pay attention all the time. You cannot never let up ever. Why? Do, why you, is why is that? Is it just because, because he's so fast? He, or he, first of all, he's very fast. He's always thinking, always, always, always thinking. He has the whole film in his head. So therefore, you have to get in that head because he's not going to sit there and explain it to you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know. So you have to watch him and learn and see what is that shot and how does he do it. And sometimes, you know, he works backwards. Which I, I remember one day we started shooting and he goes, put the camera here. And he started shooting. Go, okay, where does this go? I have to figure it out. And, and he built the scene from that one little shot of a cup going down on the table or something. And then it's like a puzzle. And then I, at the end of the day, I went, oh, my God, I can't believe what he just did. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. You know, I would sit there and I would be amazed. So I learned so much from him. So much. So 
that's always been my school. That was the best school I ever went to. I was gonna say, I was gonna say you'd be a, a phenomenal director at this point with all of the uh, the, the mentorships. <laughs> oh, you know, I've found myself sometimes when I'm working with a director uh, that might not have as much experience. You know, he has a vision. All directors have a vision, but might not have. A, and I'll say something about a shot, and then I'll catch myself and I go, "Oh, I know where I got that from. <laughs> and I know exactly where I've learned all those things and framing and." And what's right or rhythm, or what's not? It's from watching him and listening to him, and and uh, and seeing all the magic that he did. I mean, he did amazing, amazing. I mean, you know, films. And I, I was able to go from one to another, and I always felt very honored and very, uh, very proud yeah. of being all those. You know, I would have loved to have been part of his last one because I know that his last one was so personal, yes. and because I knew his mom and his dad. And oh, really? You know, because well, she would always come to the set. You know, his mom was a beautiful, wonderful, lo- lovely lady. No kidding. Yeah, because I, I loved it. I saw his the last one, um, Meet the Fablemans, and it was yes. really well done. And it just – That's uh, the one I w- wish I would have I liked to have done because yeah, because yeah. it was so personable to him. So I would have liked to have watched him do that, you know. But, yeah. Okay. Well, I you mean, you've, you've also worked with other greats. I mean, you were on Blade Runner. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, that was great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard crazy stories about that shoot. Is there anything specific that you remember about working on Blade Runner? You know, it's, see, again, it, what's funny about that film was, you remember, again, Blade Runner was not Blade Runner. Of course. Of today. Of course. And also, people didn't talk about films the way you talk about films today. You know, like today, if you go, you're shooting Star Wars. Oh, my God, everybody knows about it. And every TV <laughs> series is on it, you know, and everybody, all the reporters are there and all that. No, no Blade Runner was another movie. You know, you were shooting another movie at Warner Brothers. And it was a movie and everybody went to work, you know, and all the crew people, they went to work, you know, because remember, we all just went to work. It wasn't so much about the show that it is today. You know, everybody goes off today. You know, I still don't, you know, I don't like to, I don't like to do that. I guess because I come from that, you know. Uh, You don't have an Instagram account where you're taking selfies every three seconds on set? No, I don't do any of that stuff. (laughs) I don't, I don't like to do that. I don't, I I just don't. I did. I I don't know what it is. I just don't. I don't, it's funny because, I'm getting ready to redo a wall in my house. And I want to, for the first time, I actually want to put up photographs that I have of me on set. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. But I I think maybe two photographs, maybe three are with me with an actor where we're looking at the camera. I don't like to do that. But people through my career gave me photographs of me on set. And I like those. Those I find beautiful and and an actor you know is there or i'm talking to harrison or i'm talking to jeff goldblum or something like that i don't like when you're like facing forward i just don't like that i don't know what it is i don't <laughs> you don't like funny. being the center of attention is what no. it's so like. i do want to but i do want to put them because i find my god I, I i was looking through the box the other day and i said oh my god look at this i have a beautiful photograph where i'm writing notes behind hal ashby i mean how wonderful to wow. have worked with hal ashby wow i mean that's amazing you know and with ridley Ridley was just so great. But what was great about with the Ridley film was that that was very early in my career, you know, and um, I had met this gentleman, uh, Pat Rogers, lovely, lovely man, um, uh, lovely, lovely man and, and his family. And he went on to be the production manager and they were looking for a script supervisor and he put my, my name in. He said, Oh, you got to hire her or whatever. And that's how I was hired. But everyone was very afraid of Ridley because they said, you know, he's English, he's coming from England, and he's never worked with an American crew, and this mm. will be his first film with an American crew, and that was it, you know. So I thought, that's great, you know, I love it, you know. 
and remember he had only he had had he done alien already or not i don't i don't know i don't the, the, know i don't maybe he had done alien yeah maybe, maybe it, not no maybe, maybe not. not i'm not sure i have to look at the date but he was very well known because of his commercial work yes you know his commercial work was like huge right so we're coming to do this movie and so i just went with my energy you know whatever and i'm you know and again you know i was very young and very, very thin, and I dressed appropriately. And the thing was, when I started working as a script supervisor, I wanted to be like the old-time script supervisors, where they all wore skirts. So <laughs> I, I never wore pants. I only wore skirts, and I wore high heel shoes. And <laughs> that must have been hard on your feet after a while. No, I loved it. No, because I always sat, you know, very ladylike and everything else. No, so I loved it. You know, it was great. Because remember, the way shooting used to be, uh-huh. It's so different from today. You know, you used to go in and there would always be a rehearsal. Always, right? Mm-hmm. So the rehearsal might take an hour, an hour 45. Nobody said anything and you rehearsed. And then the director would, most of the time, they'd say, I'm, I'm going to do this shot. So there'd be a shot list, you know. And he'd say, I'm going to do a white shot. I'm going to do a closet. So I would write all that down. And then the, the AD would go to the DP and says, which one do you want to start with? And we almost always start with the wide shot yep. because it would set the whole tone of everything. Right. Yep. And they would set the whole, and they would say, how long will it be? And almost always the, the DP, of course, and of course, someone like Jordan Cronenworth would say, Oh, it's going to be about an hour 30, maybe an hour 45. Can you believe that? Can you believe I, that? I wish. <laughs> I wish today. Can you imagine a DP saying an hour 45 today? If a DP says more than 15 minutes today, you're fired. You're out of here. Next day. I wish. So, I wish that was the case. And then everyone went and they discussed things and maybe Ridley went through props or things or designing, but he was always behind the camera, you know, because he was so meticulous about every little thing of the frame. And I loved it. The crew towards towards the end of it, they were getting fed up with that. I loved it. I found it fascinating because I, I felt like it was just so fantastic the way he, every little thing of the frame had to be perfection, you know, and I thought it was great and I loved it. I mean, we spent a day and a half with her, do you like my owl? You know, yeah, yeah, because it wasn't the right walk. It wasn't the right walk. It wasn't the right pace. The camera wasn't moving right. The light was, it was whatever. But, but you know what, when you look at the film, you go, he was right. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a reason why it's legendary. There's a reason why it transcends everything. Exactly. Exactly. So, so we did that and it was just, it was just amazing to work with him and to watch him. And the thing is, like I said, I wore skirts and I wore high heel shoes and, this is before it was in. I always wore black. I always used to love to wear black, <laughs> you know, and he loved that, you know, and he loved the fact that I dressed that way. So it was just a wonderful, wonderful, you know, we, we clicked. He and I, we clicked. And also I think we clicked because he realized that I really admired what he was doing and I really supported it 150% and yeah. did everything he wanted to do. And I just, I loved the whole experience. Again, we were not doing, we were working on a film. Yeah, But we had so much night shooting. I mean, we had like, what, eight weeks of night shooting. We had so much night shooting and so much dirt, you know, like especially when we were shooting downtown, you know, everything had to be dirty all the time, you know. <laughs> yeah. but, it was, but it was wonderful. It was just fantastic. And it was great, you know, talking to the futurist, uh, what's his name, Sid Mead, you know, uh-huh. who would tell me. I remember him. This is great. I remember him on set saying to me, we're walking on the street 
where what's her name dies mm-hmm. and they have these meters or something. And I said, that's kind of weird. And he says, yeah, that's what it will be in the future. You won't put money. You'll just do like a card or something. And I go, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and fast forward to today. <laughs> See, I was there when he said that. That's I'll never crazy. forget that when he said that. That's crazy. Yeah, not crazy. Two things I've been there at the beginning. That and um, it's a uh, minority report. When Tom does the whole swiping of the screens. Yes. That's the first time that's ever seen there. Yes. It's never been seen before. And I remember them saying that will be like that in, in, in phones and computers. And again, we went, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'm always fascinated with those futurists and how they think. And, and uh, cool? yeah, it's, it's really like, cool. Like how do they, how do they, uh, it's they're, the imagination that they have to have combined with the knowledge of how we've done things in the past right, to sort of right. predict these things. It's crazy. It was beautiful to listen to. It was, it was, it's beautiful to listen to all those people and their research that they do and, you know, what, what it will be like. You know, it's just fantastic. That's well, what I love about this whole world. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do too, man. And there's something really great about being able to create such a fantastical place. And I'm a director that likes to do, like, very intense production design and really change everything up. And, and uh, you know, I'm looking for like i want to form a really great relationship with a script supervisor because <laughs> there's been a few that i've worked with that are really great but it's it's it seems like one of those marriages that you're like okay you i can rely on you and you you i want it's that really important yeah yeah but you have to learn when can you say something and when you're not because you know no matter what even in today's world it's still a boy's world still a men's world in there. i think so yeah oh yeah you still have to get in there and even though sometimes they joke with me there's an ad that jokes at me all the time and he'd see me walking and he goes oh my god here she comes let's hide because they knew that if i was walking up i was going to say something that they would have to redo or do or something and they don't want to hear it but he was saying it in a nice way you know yeah, of course um, of course he, he's lovely he's he's always been very good to me but um sometimes other ad's actually do mean it they don't want to hear from you they don't like it you know but you have to get in there you have to still make sure that you know yeah, because it's, it's your, your your neck's on the line, right? Because exactly. at the, at the end well, of the day. Also, for me, it's not so much that. It's just that I don't want them to get somewhere and they don't have what they need or it's wrong or yeah. they forgot or something. You know, that's my whole thing. My my, I've never been one about it's me, you know. I did it and I said it. I'm not – I don't really – I just want it to be good. I just want it to be – and to be there for a director and I'm there for them – whatever they need and however they need it. You know, I just like it. I just uh, like doing super, that. It's super cool to hear. A, it's super, it's comforting to hear that as a director. It's really comforting to hear that someone loves to do that <laughs> because it's, it's this detail work that I feel like if you're not built for, it's incredibly daunting and very monotonous. I would assume if you're really not in love with that process of doing things, of course, I just said in love with the process. I shouldn't do that yeah. on the show. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, but, I don't know if this ever gets monotonous, but it is very grueling and yeah. it is very, you know, exhausting. And, and also remember everything that I said you have to do, like when you're doing a night shoot, you got to be that alert at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, you have to be that alert, just like the director is, you know, at two o'clock in the morning to not, not forget something. And you can't be saying, Oh, I'm sleepy. I'm tired. I love it in today's world where I'll turn around and all these young, you know, 19 year old, 20 year old, they go, Oh, I'm so tired. I'm so sleepy. And I'm going, Oh my God, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> 
I, I can imagine that you had to also uh, not get seasick when you're, you know, I'm sure, uh, assuming working from a dinghy on Waterworld. <laughs> oh, my God. That was crazy. Oh, that's Kevin Re- uh, Kevin Reynolds, right? Yeah. Um, what a lovely man. And Kevin Costner. Oh, beautiful, beautiful people. Really, really wonderful people. And I don't know why that movie gets such a bad rap, because if you look at the sequences, you know, the, the, the stunts and stuff like that, they're amazing. They're amazing. Sequences. They're amazing. Really- really well done and the stuff that was shot was well done and laugh now we'll, we'll, one day we might be in that water world so you know <laughs> i don't know why everybody was so putting it down so much you know well i heard it was, i mean there were rumors that it was such an intense set to be on and then it, it was like a long running set right wasn't that one that it was, was, yeah, it was six months or something yeah we were crazy. there for a long time it was it, it, it's very hard um what was very hard about it i remember like you know, you know, the heat, number one, mm-hmm. but you know, you'd get out there and we'd get out there into the water. By the time lunch came, you would have thought you were out there for 12 hours because you're, you're dealing with the elements, you know, you're yeah. in the sun, you're in the moving, which also takes a thing on your body, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it was exhausting in that sense. See, because the set was built, although this it was great when we could shoot on the set, cause then you would look out and then of course you didn't see land. Right. Mm-hmm. But, when we had to do certain things, you had to get it out there in the middle. So the grips had been one barge, which was for grips, one barge, which was for electric, one barge that was for all the props and things like that. And then the director and the producer and myself and, and maybe camera people, we, we were in another one. And we go out there, you know, and both Kevin and I, we both get seasick. So we'd all have our little crackers and just going, <laughs> don't look up, don't look up. Just, okay, now we can look up, we can look up and just make sure you had the shots and all that kind of things, you know. So it was very intense physically, and yeah. it was also a very intense film to do. But, you know, I know everybody says that there were all these things and stuff. I, to be quite honest, I never saw it because I know that Kev, both Kevins were very good friends, you know, mm-hmm. that they might have clashed in their own private world, maybe, but I never saw it on set. Mm-hmm. Kevin Costner is is fantastic on set. You know, he is, he had just, you know, done, had he already done his film? Hadn't he? Yeah. I think so. I mean, he's Academy Award winning director. Yeah, he is. And he's very much about the crew and about people. Yeah. He, he loves every, he, he loved that everyone, all the, everybody brought their families at lunchtime with their kids and everybody, you know, he loved all that. He doesn't, he never says no to things like that. He's very much about family and people. And he cares about the crew and he's always very uh, accessible to everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I thought he was fantastic. And like I said, that he and, and Kevin Reynolds might have had private things that they weren't getting along, maybe. But they were friends. So, you know, I never saw that. It was just a hard film to get done because, you know, every time you moved you know, half a page, you were three pages behind because the water's moving you. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Exactly. Like you're going, exactly. You know, it's like you're saying, okay, t- that's where I want the boat. Make it stop. Yeah, right. By the time you shoot, the boat already moved, you yeah, know, it's because a nightmare. Yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't work that way, you know. Yeah. So that's what made it difficult was the logistic of it. It was very physical, a physical draining film. Um, but it was still great to work, you know, with uh, what's in Dennis Hopper, who was, oh, he was a gem when he came on set. You know, everyone was very professional, very, very professional. Um, yeah, yeah. So I didn't see anything like that, you know, uh, but it was, a, it was a big film. I'll tell you, I'll never forget when I went to the first production meeting. Yeah. What was really amazing, Kevin Reynolds had spent all his preparation time 
everything was storyboarded. Did you know that? I wonder if I still have all of it now, now that I think of it. That's super cool. It was all storyboarded, right? Mm -hmm. So when I first got there, they showed me a book and it was, it was huge. It was the biggest thing I've ever seen in my life. They said, these are the storyboards. And I went, Oh my God. I said, and we're shooting this for how long? I right away <laughs> knew without even anything that this was, you know, it was going to be a long time. Yeah. There's no way when you looked at that and you saw the shots and you saw all of it, that it wasn't going to take time. Of course it was going to take time. You yeah. Know? Especially on, so the, for, on the water. You just throw that in the water. Yeah. And the heat of shooting in Hawaii, you know, how hot. I mean, it was unbearably hot, no matter what you did or how you stood or whatever you oh, did. Oh. It was hot. You know, you couldn't, you couldn't wait for lunch so you could just go in for five, 10 minutes away from the heat, you know? Yeah, it must have been grueling. And then you're trying to keep the concentration amidst yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. You know, you know, when he's in the catamaran, mm -hmm. in one of the shots of the catamaran, you have to remember, because we're doing shots of him, not the super wide one, because those, of course, are done with helicopters and stuff. Mm -hmm. But when we're actually in it and he's traveling in the middle of the ocean. Just think about it's the camera. The operator, the assistant, Kevin, the the assistant director, myself, and when we we were holding onto a little monitor or something, we're hanging <laughs> by a thread in the corner of it. Because look at it, you see the whole catamaran. I don't know how we were hanging in there, but we were hanging in there. <laughs> we were traveling in this ocean. It's like it's crazy. Well, and, that, and that was bef then, before was, wireless video really got to the point where it is right now. So you had right. to be right there. You had to be right you there. You had with to him. be there. You had to be there. Plus, plus, you know, Kevin had to tell, you know, Kevin what he wanted, you know, and things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. It was just it was just crazy. And the other day I met with uh, one of the assistants and he says, Anna Maria, my, my greatest memory of you, I'll never forget this. And I said, what? He said, we were shooting and you were shooting and they said, roll. And all of a sudden you made a sign to me. And they said, cut. And I had a bucket and you pulled the bucket, you threw up, you gave <laughs> me the bucket back and you went shooting and you went, you continued. <laughs> See, that's commitment. And that's to funny. me, that is the way I love making movies. I don't know. I mean, I don't think a lot of the people will do that today, but I, I've always been like that. And that's the way I guess I'll always work. Well, you know, if like you've got... You <laughs> You've been on so many adventures. You've been to strange worlds. You've done so many strange things with your life at this point. It's got to yeah. be so rewarding when you look back at all these crazy stories. Like, I mean, I've I've been directing for 20 years. I haven't done massive movies, but there are still moments where I go, I live such a weird fucking life. You, yeah. You must, right. you must, you can write a book. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's a circus. I always said we live in a circus. We pull up tents and we have an experience. And it's also think about all of that. And then all the personal experiences that people have. And yes. especially in the beginning of, I would say up to 2000, I guess, or something. No, maybe no, no. 95 or something. I mean, Oh my God, what was going on in the sets? Oh my God. <laughs> it was crazy. First of all, everybody drank. Yep. Everybody drank. In, in the prop truck, there was always one case filled with beer and another one, you know, depending on the actor or whatever, filled with whiskey and vodka and everything. Uh -huh. Everyone drank. Uh, and then I've never been, not that I'm trying to excuse myself, but uh, I didn't know that there was so much drugs, you know. There, sure. was, there was so much cocaine. It was ridiculous, you know. <laughs> and I don't understand how everybody functioned. Everybody functioned. <laughs> and, and this is my favorite story to tell you, you know, because I love old films so much, mm -hmm. you know 
always, so in Blade Runner, we were shooting at night and the boys would always laugh and they would always make fun of me. And I didn't understand because I would always go, excuse me, I'm going to go and powder my nose. <laughs> and I meant powder my nose like in the old movies when the actresses would go powder their nose to put, you know, go to the bathroom. Because I don't like to say 10-1 or whatever they say, those stupid things that they say, you know. So I would always say powder my nose. And all the boys used to laugh and they always thought that I was this wild woman doing cocaine. <laughs> I found out later and I've never done, you know, it's not, sure. I'm not that. Sure. That person all, you know. Sure. But it was so funny, and I didn't realize that. that, that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, yeah, it's so crazy. you have all that behind the scenes is what I'm saying, besides all that. And actors who I worked with who also had a problem, you know. Sure. So you, you worked with that also, you know. So there's all of all of that that world, that chemistry, that, oh, it's just so much of everything. It's I, It's crazy. I mean, people don't realize how intense and emotional – you know the, yeah. the the just the onset romances that happen, just the Ooh, the connections cute. with people. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I remember being in a lobby once with a, an actor and his wife leaving, and she got in the car and pulled away, and this other car pulled in, and his mistress pulled in. That's I went, crazy. "Oh my god, that's insanity!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I worked with a musician that did that when I was doing music videos. I worked with a musician that did that, and I was like, "Who's this person?" Like, okay, nowadays you don't know. I mean, it's. I mean, I'm sure there's still people who do all these, but you don't you don't see it anymore. You, it, well, it's, it's not allowed, you know. Yeah, 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 everything, everybody's so afraid these days. Well, the drinking's definitely gone. You know, that's been gone for a while. You know, there can never be any kind of anything because yeah. you know everyone will get sued, and of course, if somebody has an accident, you know, or things like that. So, no, that's you don't see that anymore. And most crew guys now, I mean, every, everyone's changed. You know, everyone's about taking care of themselves and health and eating better and all of that stuff, which is great. Sure. I mean, it sounds it sounds really great. It sounds really boring. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> some things some things are really good. The romances I kind of miss now, but I'm yeah, too old. Yeah, but I'd say you know, there's a piece of me that like you know yearns for the excitement and the craziness. I mean, that's part of why we. That's why I decided not to be a banker. You know what I mean? Exactly. That's why I didn't want to go work at corporate offices. You know, exactly, exactly. It was something but, you fun know, about. Unfortunately, in this business, at at a certain point. Uh, you become invisible because of age. It's really interesting. Oh, it's really interesting to watch oh. the difference. It's very interesting to watch the difference. So it doesn't yeah. matter if you're wearing your heels and your black skirt at this point. Yeah. So I just, no, 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 now I don't forget that. I wear my sneakers and my pants now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I believe me, through years of doing camera work myself and my hips being misaligned, I show up and like <laughs> I show up in the most old man sneakers you can find. It's like, yeah, this this will get me twelve hours in. Let me wear these sneakers, please. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, oh, we could talk for hours about this. Like, it's the the. I'm envious of like you. You just wish that with someone like you that have that has had over forty years of just pure life experience with this thing you wish that i i, I want to just download it all i wish i could just yeah. sort of take it all in and be like oh okay here's everything because every like the, all the stuff that you've seen and like well you might be my catalyst because i have thought about it and i know that i need to just start talking into a tape recorder because i'm also you know you start to forget a lot of the stuff too you know yeah. and i don't want to uh and that's one of my things so you might be my catalyst to really my catalyst to really start that. You know, I would just be talking. honored if that was the case. You should do it because yeah, no, I really want to do it because I like your idea about it. I mean, I've always wanted to do a book. I mean, there's so many things. I mean, this year I really want to do like 
one of the, I, I really want to do a film about script supervisors. I've, obviously I have to sort of also show what we do, but that's not what I want to make the film about. I want to make the film about experiences that script supervisors have had, like where they've come from, you know, yeah. how did they get here? You know, that kind of thing. Cause I think it's really interesting to see the variation, you know, of people and where they're from and what their lives have been. And I want to hear like some juicy stories because a lot of, especially my age group had incredible affairs with very, very famous people. Very <laughs> cool. so that's what I want to get because I think it'd be fun. It'd be interesting for people to see the other part, you know? So, well, I mean, well, you know, at the risk of asking, do you have a juicy story that you can tell us on the show? Oh, no. <laughs> I still can't. I still can't. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to get in trouble, but I figured I'd ask. No, 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 not trouble. Guess what? What can happen to me now? I'm on my way out anyway. What are you going to do? Fire me? <laughs> you can't do anything to me now, you know. But, but no, I just no, 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 not yeah, right now. I gotcha. I gotcha. I gotcha. But, but I, I'll say this: one of my biggest weaknesses was it uh, wasn't act, it wasn't directors. Mm-hmm. I love directors. Uh, I always want to take care of them. And they were always, you know, who I worked for and admired and did, you know, did my work for them. Sure. Uh, but I always fell in love with cameramen. And I think he's because to me, the DP is like the painter. Mm. He paints, you know? So I always, I mean, I always was unfortunately very weak around the camera department. (laughs) 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 Well, I mean, there was a period, so cameras sort of changed, right? There was a period before uh, the the high end, high definition sort of video villages and stuff. It was, it was magician trick stuff where, well, you know, because like I said, it would, you know, like you worked like, like someone fantastic, like Conrad Hall, you know, I used to love, you know, he would set up his shots and I would walk away and go do some typing or do fix my notes or something. Cause I knew he was going to be an hour, an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And then you come back and you'd see the lighting and you go, Oh my God, what is this? And it was just amazing what he had built as far as light to get this little light to go through here, that light to go through there. I mean, he was just amazing. He was an amazing, immense, amazing technician, you know, the yeah. way he did his stuff and a Jordan Cronenworth and a Vilmos Sigmund and all these like great, cameraman it was just wonderful to watch them you know yeah you know, i mean i love that's my i mean i started as a cinematographer and made my way into directing and it's still my favorite thing to use constant light and to just beautiful. walk through sets and like i love to like eat lunch on sets and just yeah. live it's like it's I like mean, going to the disney it's like going to disneyland that no one else gets to go to you know yeah just, exactly no 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 I, so i love i love their world i love watching how they create you know the moods but even in today's i love one of my favorite today is rodrigo prieto i love mm-hmm. rodrigo i mm-hmm. love what he does you know and, and things like that but it's just it's just great it's a wonderful world it really is a wonderful world it's a very hard world it's not I know I'm I'm saying the good things. It is a hard world. It is very long hours. It is sometimes bad moods. Although what's really nice nowadays, it's not accepted. And I'm that's the one change I must say I'm really enjoying now. What do you because mean? Because it's not accepted. Well, for a while there, especially the eighties and nineties, it was so in to be 
uh, with the bad boys, you know, the screamers, the yellers, yes. the ones that yes. get away, get out of here, get off, you know, all that old fashioned thing, you know, and making people feel like less and, you know, picking on, on, on a department and making them feel like idiots and stuff like that. That's not allowed in today's world. I yeah. love that with Marvel. Uh, when I went to work for Marvel, that was one of the first things you get in their pages. Everyone has to be treated with respect. Everyone. I love that, you know, and it's a big deal that a lot of the, um, the uh, studios are following. I think Netflix is also one of those that does not allow for any kind of bad behavior. And of course, bad behavior towards women, which yeah, should have obviously always. The thing is, I think that also changed because again, when I started, I was basically almost the only woman on set. You had a couple of, uh, in Mexico, especially uh, there was like makeup and hair, but they were all in their fifties or something. Mm -hmm. And in Mexico, the main reason was because of the culture women did not do that job because you'd have to go away on location. So of right. course that culture doesn't allow for that, you know, right. at that time, right. now things changed, you know, things are different now. Uh, so now you do have a lot of women. I love the fact that there's so many more women on set now because it's a great balance and it does make men um, uh, work a little different, you know, yeah, especially now with the rules for a while there it was getting a little out of hand because there's were so many women. They're all young. They're all gorgeous, you know, and, you know, but so you have to be careful with that. You know, there's a fine line, but now it's, it's really uh, getting to be in a really, I, I really enjoy it. I enjoy it, especially in the camera department. There are so many women in the camera department now carrying those cases, doing all this stuff. And they're great. <laughs> and I've worked with a, a woman gaffer, two women gaffers, uh, grips women. I mean, just great, you know, so it, so it balances. So it's not so much, um, what's the word? Tes tes testosterone. Testosterone. Yeah. A lot of boy talk, a lot of that kind yeah, of stuff. Because yeah. it used to be a lot. I was always very good at just shutting it out. But also, uh, I must say that in my time, the crews were very respectful towards me. They'd always be, you know, I think it's also the way you behave too. hundred percent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That has a lot to do with it too. So, so that I didn't, I, so I, I don't have any, uh, stories about being mistreated or anything. I, I was able to hold my own always in that world. Uh, thank God. And I never, I don't have a story of like, Oh my God, something bad happened, but I do know that some women have had problems. Yes. But I'm glad that that part has changed and I'm glad to see that there are so many more women and it's more even, and it's great to watch their creativity and hold their own. You know, it's great. It's wonderful. It's a different, different world. Yeah, I mean, I love it too. Like, th th there's something. I, I, I maybe it's because maybe it's because I came from the East Coast. Maybe it's because I didn't come from here. Like, there's a mm -hmm. there's this level for me where anytime I make a project or if I convince somehow convince someone to to hand us a check with money, then it, for me it's like someone just showed up with a Lamborghini, right? And so what you're trying to do is pile as many talented people into this thing as you possibly can, as many yeah. people that you want to be with. Like I often I say this all the time. I'll cast a crew person because I like them. And they may not be as talented as this other person, but I want to spend 15 hours with this person a day. Yes. That's very important. That yeah. is one of the most important parts of the job, which sometimes when I mentor script supervisors, I always used to say that I say that that is really one of the most important things, how you're going to fit into that little triangle. You know, you have to be able to fit in because they got to watch you. They got to look at you and listen to you for 15 hours, you know? So right. it has to be a good marriage. It can't be a bad one, you know? Well, right. It's just, it's, it's sad. And I get why, you know, as a species, we're kind of destructive, but it's sad that we have to be, you know, monitored the way we are. It's almost like kids at a playpen now where it's like, don't fight with each other. <laughs> 
each no, it other. Shouldn't it shouldn't be. <laughs> it shouldn't be. be automatic, you know. Yes, yeah, I agree. Yeah, and it's like, you know, with, with the cancellation of a lot of these monsters that came out of this industry, they have to get to the point where they're doing terrible things. Where prior to that, it was like, that guy was always an asshole, though, and no one yeah, ever- exactly, exactly. That's what I say. That's, that's yeah. what I always say. I'm so glad that that's not allowed, you know, yeah. at all. Directors are not allowed- to just go and just yell at people like like crazy, you know, just because you know they throw tantrums and they throw them at everybody. That's wrong. It's so it's so irresponsible. Yeah, it's irresponsible. Like I've said it multiple times in the show, and I don't mind cop- uh, copying to it. When I was younger, I had a, a shoot that I did, and I threw a fucking tantrum, and I saw the results of it, and I saw how it affected everything and everybody, and how people yeah. were afraid of me, and how it changed the whole thing. And I said, why? Did- this was the most destructive thing I could have ever done. The fact that I didn't get what I needed at that moment was less destructive than how I responded to it. And yeah, you just, you learn as a child learns not to put their hands over a flame. Yes, You you learn through experience, like, especially in our job as a director, which is like, I'm supposed to be inspiring, empathetic. Like I'm supposed to be the head of the the captain, the ship, people supposed to trust me and and go to war for me and and for me to treat them any other way than like with the utmost respect and kindness is is foreign to me, you know? And yeah. I, I I can't believe that anybody else would have to do that. And shame on us for having to be and I get irritated with it when someone will show up and go, Well, you're not supposed to I go, Why are you fucking telling me this, man? <laughs> like like I don't need to be in the playpen. Like go go handle the crazy monsters out there, you know? Like Yeah, exactly. yeah it's it's nuts, man. Yeah. It's, it's- but I'm glad. I'm glad those changes are taking over. I just hope that uh, we get more films, better films. I don't know. Yeah, I, get- I'm enjoying very much. I um I happen to uh, I joined the foreign film committee for the Oscars, and Ooh. that is really a, a thrill and a joy to watch uh, films from all over the world. You know, and see, especially when you hear from a little country like Bhutan or something like that, you go, "What the heck." And you yeah. look at the film and it's fantastic. And you go, how do they do it? They don't have what we have. They don't have the equipment. <laughs> they don't have anything. And their acting and their storytelling is fantastic. It's really good. You know, yeah. so it's really, I'm enjoying that part. Oh, I'm like, I'm, look, we should probably wrap this up because we're hitting okay. that point. But okay. I have absolutely enjoyed this conversation, Anna. And oh, then, so glad. Yeah, man. <laughs> Thank you worried. so much. Very nervous. <laughs> what are you nervous about? I mean, Stu was telling me he's like, you gotta talk to her. He's like, you gotta have her on the show. And I said, okay, all right, all right, all right. And uh, you know, I I don't think we're allowed to talk about what you guys are working on, but I've heard about what you guys are working on. Yeah, and oh my wonderful. god, it's huge! Wonderful. It's wonderful. huge. So I cannot wait to be able to tell everybody what we're yeah. what we know. <laughs> yeah, this is wonderful. It's really, really good. It's going to be really, really good. That's going to be really good, and innovating and very different, and just really good. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I, I want to say it, but I'm going to stop. I'm going to change the subject no, no, so I don't yeah. get in trouble. Yeah. Um, get in trouble. But, uh, yeah, Anna, this has been wonderful, wonderful. And, oh, and thank please, you so much. anytime you want to come back. You can come back to the show. We could talk stories for hours. I'd love. Oh, that's great. Thank you. I'd love that. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. I love it. And if you don't, you should totally start recording these things, and you should totally do a book or do a film or do something because the just being a guy that's been doing this on a smaller scale, I know how exciting these moments are, and it just the. The sheer amount of people that you've been around and the sheer amount of creativity that you've been a part of, 
it goes in there, man. And you, it's, you're oversaturated with experience and it, you yeah. really should share it, you know? Uh, okay. Thank you. Because that's my goal this year. So you, you gave me a push. it is uh another epic interview another epic conversation on our show uh as you could tell i was just listening (laughs) there's so much there's so much there and i wish that this episode went on for another two hours because there's so many experiences and stuff in her uh in her brain that i i just really wanted to pull out and i'll try to get her back what do you think did you like today's episode should i get anna back on send me a note send me a message on instagram at mike petchy or to the podcast that's a better place because you won't end up in the sea of dms that i'm getting still for 12k I'm send it to in love with the process pod on instagram and, and let me know do you guys like this episode um it's crazy the amount of experiences and i was going to try to get into some more and those of you who are young listeners who are like i've never seen Waterworld. uh what else has she worked on uh she's also worked on the hunger game movies <laughs> like okay so and the, the marvel movie was uh the ant-man and the wasp that she was mentioning as well so um it's insane a lot of interesting stuff to take away from all that conversation right do you have a better idea of what a script supervisor does and you know what's always interesting to me is people that have the confidence to do a job have the passion to want to get that job right don't necessarily need the training to do it because if you're really passionate about it and more importantly if you know how to interact with people and Anna did, right? And she was talking about how she dressed and how she was responding to folks. She knew how to play the game. She knew, and I don't want to say it that cynically, she knew how to interact with human beings, to form bonds with human beings, people that will help her, that will take her to the next level. That's how she continuously gets hired. That's how she got into the right place at the right time, as she constantly said, was because she understood humans and understood how to play in that world and i think that's incredibly important right more so than getting a film degree right um and just imagine imagine the experience that she has if she wanted to make a movie god damn you know you got that ridley scott kicking around in there you got spielberg kicking around in there you got francis lawrence kicking around in there it's crazy man it's crazy I have nothing but love and respect for lifetime crew people and the experiences they had. And I know (laughs) that's why I kind of pushed the button a little bit. I know she's got some stories that if her and I hung out and had beers, they'd be epic. (laughs) You don't want to go on record with some of that stuff, especially in today's climate. And we talked a little bit about that at the end. And I think it's incredibly important to be in the place that we are right now where everybody feels safe on set everybody has the right atmosphere to be able to create and to feel included and to to feel respected that's incredibly important and i wasn't kidding when i said that it just drives me crazy that us as a species needs to be reprimanded that way right so many of us need reminders of that And that sort of goes back to plenty of our other episodes where we talk about ego and checking your fucking ego and checking yourself. 
you know? And, you know, at the end of the day, why get into this job? Why get into this business if you don't like people? You know? If you don't respect people, why get into a business like this? For the wrong reasons, that's why. But anyway, um, hope you guys enjoyed it. I sure as hell did. This is like one of those David James episodes, you know, where I feel like I'm tapping into a lot of the history of old Hollywood. Uh, big shout out to Stu. Thank you, buddy, for setting this episode up. Uh, he's got some other suggestions for guests. Yeah, you want me to follow up on those. Let me just say that. And uh, this movie that they're talking about, I think I can say that it's a Zack Snyder movie. You know, I think that's the most I could say. I think that's what I could say. I'm sure I'll get in trouble for that. But, you know, there you go. Um, just do a little IMDBing, you know what I mean? And then do a little Google searching. And then you'll catch up to what I'm talking about. It's pretty cool. It's really fucking cool, actually. Um, so, yeah, that's what's up. Uh, before we go, uh, let me wrap it out. What else has been going on? I am editing, as you heard. You heard me dealing with my continuity errors. Um, Gina's uh, B. Miller stuff continues to roll out. We've been getting all sorts of accolades and attention for the videos that she is putting out right now. She's doing a long-running series. It's going to be, I think they're about 12 pieces. I think I'm allowed to say that. 12 pieces come out. Um, and uh, I'm excited. I'm editing the third one right now. Some of them are wild, man. They're going to be weird. They run the gamut of like traditional music video feeling and then really sort of cool art piece feels. So fun set of stuff that we're doing. It's sort of stretching and testing the limits of what uh, the music what the deliverables are for musicians these days. It's not just music videos. How do you take what uh, the, the call for mindless content for social media channels, right? You know, a girl drinking a soda. <laughs> uh, and how do you inject art into it? You know, and that's kind of what we've been trying to do. And, you know, I, I think I, I ranted about this long enough on that last episode, last Thursday's episode, but I'll say it again. Uh, I don't care what anybody tells you. I don't care what the analytics tell you. Uh, the world is still influenced by artists and by art and by individuals. And it doesn't matter if there's AI, AI technology out there that has the ability to replicate almost perfectly someone else's work. They cannot replicate life experiences. They cannot. You cannot type into an AI uh, program, uh, you know, my dad left me. I went to camp in uh, the Berkshires. Uh, I went to war in Afghanistan and um, I love cheeseburgers. And uh, strangely, I also uh, have a fetish for, you know, fluffy fucking pillows, right? You can't write that in there. You can't write in your life history into an algorithm and have it pop out an amazing movie or an amazing story or amazing piece of art. Us as humans go through all that stuff. And maybe in the future, there'll be all these different uh, algorithms that exist that can run through a hundred thousand, a million different scenarios and try to create their own work. But at that point, who are we connecting with? Who are we deciding to, to, to form a bond with? Are we doing it with a human or are we doing it with an algorithm? Right? And which one's more interesting? And at the end of the day, I feel like it comes down to biology right? We're still attracted. We're attracted to somebody. 
right? We want to be close to them. We want to learn from that person. We, we love the way that they exist. We love the way that they look. I want to dress like that individual. I like the way that they talk. How did they, where did they learn the, that way of speaking? That's so interesting to me. That stuff gets translated into movies. That's how actors are constantly looking for uh, their points of reference, for the things that inspire them to create characters. It's all that. It's not coming from a computer. It's not coming from a paragraph of someone writing, uh, how about we take Blade Runner and combine that with Jaredowski and what is the new... What if Jaredowski did Tron? And what you're seeing, and this I'm bringing this up because this was brought to my attention. The New York Times did an article on AI art. And they put it up there and everybody was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I, it's, it's beautiful. The stuff that the AI was able to do by essentially hodgepodging, by collaging all these different uh, references, Google references and, and, uh, and structures that come from other pieces of art, collaging them together in a weird way to make something new, but strangely, vaguely familiar, vaguely nostalgic. And you sit there and you go, wow, this came from nothing. And you go, oh, that's pretty cool. But let's talk about a new idea. Right? Or maybe we don't want new ideas, right? I mean, Hollywood's convinced that we don't. Right? Everything has to be an existing IP. Everything has to be a rehashing and a retelling of a story. So does that mean that there aren't any new stories? Does that mean as a as a culture, as as a species, we're not going through new trials and tribulations? Does everybody go through the same ones? over and over and over again and has it been that way since the beginning is it just a little bit different now because there's more tech on it there's more technology there's a glossier image on these things now but is it the same that it was back in the day i don't think so there has to be some sort of learning there has to be some sort of development and granted as a species we we learn and we change at a snail's fucking pace we always do right and the core stories are always there i'm hungry i need food I want to gather things. I have the ability to gather things. Should I get more? Should I not get more? Should I share? Should I not share? Right? I want to have sex. I want to, that person is attractive to me. How do I get that person? That person doesn't like me. What does that mean? How do I feel? How do I respond to that? Do I get angry? Do I get mad? I mean, these are the stories that have been around since the beginning of time, I'm sure. But is there anything else beyond that? Have we learned other things? Are there new nuances? only humans can really sort of translate? Hmm. I don't know. Something to think about. Anyway, thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for uh, being a part of In Love With The Process. Thank you for being one of the half a million plays pushing to a million, hopefully this year. Be awesome. Get another 500,000 this year. Break the record, man. Tell your friends to listen to the show if you love it. Share it, brag about it, take any of the graphics or promotional material that I post, repost it, make it your own. Tell folks, I listen to and love the process. Why the fuck do you not? All right, that's the deal. And you know, as always, I'll see you next Tuesday with something new. Music.